Welcome to your April edition of Cardano 360, your monthly catch-up with the people and projects building out this incredible Cardano ecosystem. Now, before we begin, make sure to like, subscribe, and hit that bell icon for all the latest Cardano content and news from the team here at IOG. Now, it's a bit of a development special this month with updates on Marlow, Cardano's domain-specific language for financial smart contracts. We'll also be looking at sidechains and how they are opening up opportunities and options for developers looking to build on Cardano. Plus, we'll be getting an update from SundaySwap and Orbis, two projects currently building on Cardano, with a deeper dive into what the EUTXO model is bringing to the party. John, Kevin and Nigel will be along later for a technical development update. But to kick things off, I caught up with David Taylor, Global Marketing Director at the Cardano Foundation, for a quick update. So David, welcome back to Cardano 360. Been a busy time for you recently at the Cardano Foundation with a number of new initiatives and quite a lot of hiring as well. It has indeed, Tim. Thanks very much for having me back. It's always a pleasure. As you said, it's been a busy time. We've been working with the University of Zurich. We're sponsoring some students through a scholarship program for their summer school. We're also working on a research program, so there's plenty more to come in that in the near future. On the hiring front, we've hired a plethora of community managers. We've got five marketing roles that are open, so please go and visit our careers page on Cardano Foundation website. And last but not least, we've recently appointed Dirk Hondel, who is an open source veteran driving the governance future of Cardano. We've also got our friends at Veritree who have also been very busy behind the scenes. They have now planted a verified over 500,000 trees on the Cardano blockchain. And David, it's not going to get any quieter over the summer, is it? Uh, I believe we can now talk about what we're going to do at Consensus. We can indeed, Tim, and it's certainly not going to get any quieter anytime soon. In fact, it's ramping up. One of the things that I'm proud to be able to talk about is our participation at Consensus. We've got a 50 foot by 20 foot booth. Cardano Foundation IO and partners are going to be there. And we're going to be showcasing the wonderful platform that is Cardano, as well as all of those that are building on the Cardano platform. But that's not everything. We're having an exciting community event the night before the main event. So we'll be sure to share details on that as to how people can sign up for that as well. So that community event, of course, is on the 8th of June before the main event, which is from the 9th to the 12th of June. It's also worth mentioning we'll have a developer event on the 13th. So if you're a developer building on Cardano or wanting to build on Cardano, keep an eye on IOG's community discord for developers for more news on that soon. We'll have a link at the bottom. So, David, obviously still a lot going on behind the scenes in the preparation and planning for the event. But perhaps you can give us a, a glimpse of what people can expect at Consensus. Absolutely, Tim. And one of the things that we'll be talking about is the fact that Cardano is open for business. We're not just talking about sustainability from an eco point of view, but we're talking about sustainability of the platform. So we'll be showcasing a breadth of partners from across the ecosystem, those that are building Cardano and those that are building on Cardano to eliminate any ghosts that may be out there haunting us. So, David, great news. We'll obviously share more details on that as it comes. But people can, meanwhile, sign up to attend the community event. What do they need to do? They can indeed. We're going to make it super simple, Tim. We have an Eventbrite page that will go live shortly and people can sign up for that. So I encourage them to sign up, come along and get to meet the team. So that's the 8th to the 13th if you want dates for your diaries, if you can attend in person. But of course, we'll be bringing you lots of content from there so you can uh, follow along on social media as well. David, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Tim. See you in the Lone Star State. So be sure to follow along with IOGs and the CF social channels for more updates on the road to consensus and how you can join us either in Austin or virtually for the community event on the 8th of June. And of course, the developer workshop bookending consensus. You'll find some links below. As well as their value in adding scaling capability, sidechains are central to Cardano's interoperability strategy. Plutus is a powerful smart contract language, utilising the many benefits of the EUTXO model to create innovative new native DeFi and DEX propositions, with features you just can't build on traditional account-based models. And we have a growing number of native projects already live on the chain, many of which we've featured on the show, and many more are to come once the June Vassal hard fork enhancements have been implemented. 
But of course, there's a whole world of account-based models out there and Solidity developers looking to take advantage of some of Cardano's core capabilities. This month, Morgan, our head of ecosystem growth, met up with three projects looking to bring these new users and developers to Cardano. Hi everyone, I'm Morgan Schofield, head of ecosystem growth for IOG. Today, I'm excited to be hosting some projects that are scaling on the Cardano ecosystem. I'll be joined by Milkometer and OneChain and featuring a update from our EVM sidechain. Sebastian, I understand Milkometer is in the home stretch of launching a public beta of their sidechain. Can you give us an update on what the community can expect this year? So Milkometer launched a few weeks ago on Cardano mainnet. The first version on Cardano mainnet has limited functionality, which is to say you can bridge your ADA to Milk ADA, which is the Milkometer asset. We have support for some tokens. For example, we have support for World Mobile token. We have support for USCC, USDT. Um, but this this process of, of adding new tokens, this process of bridging tokens is not 100% the experience we want, but we have kind of this beta. The other thing is that we currently don't support bridging NFTs, but we do have a Catalyst proposal to add that functionality. So this is the current state of Milk Amra, uh, but we've seen good adoption with what we've had so far. With the Catalyst proposal in progress, could you give us an update on what the community can expect coming later this year? So the first version of Milk Amra that we've released is what's called a sidechain. However, in the future, we want to move to a layer two solution, which for those who don't know, means that the security of Milkamra will leverage the security of Cardano. So you don't have to have any additional trust assumptions when you're seeing the Milkamra chain. So this is something that we've been researching and working on and that will continue to make progress this year. I'm not sure if we'll be able to get the full deployment this year, um, but we'll definitely make a lot of progress on the implementation. Additionally, we're also gonna be contributing more to the protocol itself to help build out the core developer ecosystem so that comes to, for example, core functionality, like the NFT bridge that we'll be working on, but also comes through deployments of protocols to Milkamra. So for example, Cal's proposal to implement the Gnosis Safe, and we also have a proposal for deployment of the graph for people who want to write indexer protocols. So we have quite a, a few protocols that we plan to either develop ourselves to uh, run on Milkamra or that we have partners that we're working with to develop on Milkamra. We hope to have a kind of a rich first year uh, full of, of protocols being deployed to Cardano through Milkamra. And can you tell us a little bit more about how the experience has been so far? So our team has been involved in Cardano for many years. So we've had a lot of experience building core SDKs and uh, building out the Cardano ecosystem with IOG and other partners. So uh, we're taking the years of experience we have and you know using that to contribute to Cardano itself and help um, other projects that want to build on Cardano take advantage of these tools. Notably, we're really interested in the Vassal hard fork because it adds a lot of features that will specifically make it easier to write Plutus smart contracts in general. Let's dig in a little bit more about that Vassal hard fork. I'm sure the community is curious. What changes do you see coming later this year? There's two key features that we care about. One is called data inputs and the other one is called inline datums. So notice that both these have to do with data. And that's because of what I mentioned earlier about data availability. Basically, we want to take the state of the mill camera and put that state onto Cardano. And to do that, we need to make sure that the data we make available on the Cardano blockchain can be consumed by Plutus smart contracts and can also be seen by other people who um, are syncing in the Cardano blockchain. Inline datums allow us to make the data available directly to people with, without having them know the internal state of Milkamra. And once you have the datum, you can consume the datum from other validator scripts. So this is great if you want to do stuff like challenge periods or any kind of system like that. This data input system plus the combination of inline datums makes that possible. So Sebastian, you mentioned that Milkometer will offer a bridge from Cardano to other blockchains. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So one of the reasons that we built Milkamera is that it allows for compatibility with a lot of the other crypto ecosystem. So Cardano has its own unique way of working, which is called the UTXO model, which is very different from Ethereum and a lot of Ethereum-based blockchains. So Milkamera had this kind of compatibility layer that helps Cardano communicate with other chains. And we've been working with bridge partners such as Nomad 
which have allowed us to bring Ethereum tokens to Cardano natively. So now you can trade them on Cardano indexes. And also, uh, thanks to this, we can also bridge the other way around as well. So tokens who are on Cardano who want to have their token available on other chains such as Ethereum, such as Avalanche and more, uh, can basically uh, request the Milkomana validators to have their token bridged from Cardano to Milkomana. And then we, uh, we can work with bridge partners to get those tokens available across multiple blockchains. Interoperability has always been one of the key pillars of the Cardano project. So it's great that we at DC Spark and at Milkomana have been able to push towards that. And I look forward to an exciting future together. Thank you so much, Sebastian. There's been tons of support for Milkomana in the community, and we're really looking forward to what comes next. Earlier this week, OneChain caught the community's attention by announcing they're building a bridge connecting Cardano to other blockchains. Today, we're joined by Dr. Wei Zhang of the OneChain team. Dr. Zhang, what are your criteria when selecting blockchains to connect to? Uh, yes, thank you, Morgan. It's great to be in this uh, Cardano 360 event. When we choose a blockchain to connect with, uh, we of course, we look at the influence of those blockchains, and we also look at the technical merit of the blockchains. And Cardano has been in our top list uh, because Cardano is uh, proof-of-stake, POS-based, uh, with the advantage of uh, high scalability, low transaction fees, and also, of course, uh, uh, high energy efficiency. Uh, but we could not connect to uh, Cardano at that time because Cardano uh, is very different. It uses uh, Haskell and uses uh, Pluto, and also there are some differences with Signature Scheme as well. And we, we fortunately were able to, to solve this problem uh, with uh, Cardano's sidechain strategy and initiative. Yeah, and then I think once we connect with Cardano, we're going to bring value to Cardano ecosystem by allowing assets in other blockchains to be uh, transferred to Cardano, uh, to be used by Cardano applications, and also that uh, Cardano's uh, asset to be transferred to other blockchains and used by other uh, blockchain applications. Fantastic. So what will one chain bring to the Cardano ecosystem? Yeah, and that's, uh, that's when this uh, method is released, you are going to see that uh, Cardano asset and application will be interoperable with other blockchains. Uh, that's just, just mentioned that the ADA asset can be transferred to one chain blockchain, can be transferred to Ethereum blockchain, and used by uh, other blockchain applications, such as uh, a DeFi application can use a wrapped ADA. And then the other assets can be transferred to Cardano as well. And Cardano's ecosystem can use the assets from other blockchains, such as Ether can be used in the Cardano blockchain. And that's, that's for the fungible tokens. And then you can also do non-fungible tokens. That means the NFT tokens can be transferred uh, from other blockchain to Cardano blockchain and transferred out as well. So you're going to see a uh, kind of cross-chain application built across different blockchains and particularly uh, with uh, Cardano blockchain. So what are the biggest hurdles that you encountered when building this bridge? There are multiple hurdles. First, there's a programming language hurdle. You use Pluto and Haskell, while EVM uses EVM and Solidity. And there's a hurdle of the transactional model, UTXO versus account-based. And the biggest one, when you ask this question, is that the cryptography support is different. Cardano actually support EDDSA and the curve to 5519. Changing cryptography is difficult because this needs change in the core layer. So you need a hard fork. Uh, fortunately, we get great support from Cardano team. They actually implement uh, uh, the support for Chanel Signature and also SECP 256K1, which will be in June half fork. So we really appreciate that. And we think that this will greatly improve the interoperability of Cardano blockchain and Cardano ecosystems. Could you tell us more about the asset transfer method? Yeah. Um, Asset transfer, normally you have a source chain, you have a target chain, and then you have some bridge node that will watch uh, the transaction in the source chain. And once you see a cross-chain asset request, uh, you actually locked the asset in the source chain and then mint the same amount of asset on the target chain. 
And this is easy to say, but you need to make sure that the locking is secure, the transfer is secure, there's no collusion of the bridge node, and you also need to make sure that both source chain and target chain are secure. So any hack in the source chain, target chain, or the bridge will cause a, a big damage to the asset transfer. Wow, and you mentioned earlier about the security methods. How are you looking to improve security? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Actually, you have heard that there have been many bridge hacks recently. Vitalik actually published a post saying that he's pessimistic about cross-chain transactions because the bridges are not secure. Uh, we, we take his post very seriously. So with Cardano's one-chain solution, we are actually building a two-phase uh, Merkle tree proof uh, to the cross-chain transactions. Basically, all the source-chain block and uh, transactions will be uh, merkleized, and then the Merkle tree root will be uh, saved to the Cardano blockchain so that we can make sure that this, the transaction in the source-chain is secure, not just in the source-chain, but also can be secured and verified in the target chain, in the Cardano chain as well. So this is possible only after Cardano add the Snow signature and also add the, the SECP 256K1 to the core layer of the Cardano blockchain. Dr. Zhang, thank you so much for joining us on this month's Cardano 360. Thank you, Morgan. Great to talk to you. Thanks again, Dr. Zhang, for joining us today. The OneChain team have guest authored a blog post on the IOHK site. Be sure to check that out, linked in the description below. I know you may have heard rumblings in the community about IOHK's interoperability solutions. And today we welcome Catherine Stacy to the show. Catherine is a product marketer for our sidechains projects, and she's here to give us a brief update on the ongoing work for our EVM sidechain project member. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for the fantastic introduction, Morgan. And I'm very excited to be here to discuss this project with the community, as I hear many people are very eager to learn more about it. So little fun fact is that sidechains are not actually a new idea to IOHK. And in fact, two papers were published back in 2017 by the company, one about proof of work sidechains and one about proof of stake sidechains. If anyone would like to read these research papers, you can head on over to iohk.com, locate the research tab, and then when you get to that page in the search box, just type in sidechains and a couple of different research papers will pop up. So Catherine, what do sidechains mean for the Cardano community? The EVM sidechain is actually a continuation of this initiative that IOHK has to bring greater programmability, interoperability, and scalability to the Cardano network. The EVM sidechain in particular, of course, adds in new EVM and Web3 capabilities, making it very easy for Solidity developers to bring their existing decentralized applications from EVM networks to deploy them on Cardano, which is something I know everyone is very eager to see happen. So people may be wondering why are sidechains needed to do this? And what's stopping us from doing this on the core network? Now that's a fantastic question, Morgan. We could add EVM and Web3 capabilities to the core network. The one issue there is that when you introduce additional features to the network, you then make the core code more complex, and that could potentially introduce new attack vectors. So sidechains are one of the most secure ways that you can add new features to a network without potentially introducing unnecessary security risks. Now for the ultimate question, when will this be ready? So the development of sidechains, just like many other products, has a natural development cycle that it needs to go through in order to achieve completion. The first stage along our developmental journey is what is known as the standalone testnet. And during this phase, Solidity developers will be able to connect their EVM applications to the testnet using RPC methods. And while stage one is really fun and exploratory, during phase two is where things start to get really exciting. This is what is gonna be known as our passive sidechain stage. 
This is the phase where we connect the bridge so that the node will be able to read the state from the Cardano testnet and adapt accordingly. Now, if you thought stage two was exciting, you better fasten your seatbelts for what comes next. Stage three is what is known as the active sidechain stage. And during this stage, we will have a full active sidechain that is able to observe and take action on the Cardano testnet. Then we will have the mainnet deployment phase. After we have an active sidechain up and running, we will then go through our final phases of test and code optimizations that we will then deploy to the Cardano mainnet. Now, I know I just talked around these points of the sidechain's journey without ever giving you a date, Morgan, but don't worry, this is intended and it's all part of my master plan to keep the community coming back for more. Thank you so much for having me on the show today, Morgan. It was a pleasure to get to talk to the community about this project. Thank you to all of our guests for joining me today. You can check them out on Twitter. We've linked their handles below. For more information on sidechains, bridges, and our interoperability solutions, check out our latest blog post also in the description below. So exciting things on the way, and we'll be sure to bring you more news and dates over the weeks and months ahead. Meanwhile, be sure to check out the blog link below. Marlow is Cardano's low-code solution built with the goal of making financial smart contract development accessible to everyone. Today, we're announcing our latest pioneer program to step things up a gear. Let's go to Domenica to find out more. Hi everyone, my name is Dominika and I am working here at IOG as a marketing and communications manager supporting a number of projects, including the Marlowe Pioneer program, which we're going to talk about today. So for those who are not familiar with what Marlowe is, it is a domain-specific language made for creating financial smart contracts and a suite of products designed for executing those financial smart contracts on the blockchain. And today I am joined by Omar Hussain, who is the product manager for Marlowe. And Omar is going to share with us some exciting updates on the Marlowe Pioneer program. Hi, Omar. Thanks for joining me today for this special update. Thanks, Dominika. Hi. Now, I know we've been working closely together recently to bring this program up to life. However, our viewers, uh, can you tell us a bit more about the recent updates that were made to Marlowe and what is the Marlowe Pioneer program, how it works and who is it for? Uh, Marlowe's DSL and suite of products creates a blockchain-specific way to replicate key financial processes by making it really easy to design and implement smart contracts. So we're positioning Marlowe as something that allows for the easy transfer of best practices and principles across the spaces of DeFi and TradFi to create an eventual impact in RealFi, which seemingly operate in parallel worlds at the moment. So not only will we be integrating different parts of Cardano together, but we're also providing an easy, efficient, and low-code solution to allow uh, the pioneers to showcase real-world use cases. That way, the creators on Marlowe, um, whether you're a dApp developer, a financial engineer, or a non-technical expert, can focus on their business logic and policies while imagining and building out their smart contract applications, um, reducing the burden of actually building the smart contracts. So the Marlowe Pioneer program is for these folks. It's to get the creators more acquainted with Marlowe and inspire and kick off a host of projects in the open source world. We want to build a rich and diverse ecosystem of users who can benefit from the simplicity and power of Marlowe's DSL. I'm wondering if we can speak a little bit more about the program curriculum and what the participants should expect to learn. Sure, it's going to last approximately eight weeks and the pioneers can basically expect to learn a basic overview of, of Marlowe, um, go in depth on how it's designed and embedded in Haskell and JavaScript. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about standardization and how we use standards in Marlowe, how assurances and certain conveniences can be provided within the system and uh, also a little bit about the command line tools that we've uh, just published a blog about. And lastly, we're also going to talk about how 
uh, you can apply Marlow to design certain use cases. It seems like Marlow team has made an incredible progress in the recent months. And recently we have shared two blogs about updates to Marlow Playground and introduction to command line interface tool. Do you want to share a little bit more about those updates? In a nutshell, we've made it just a lot easier for the pioneers to use the Marlow Playground. We've improved the UX and added some basic new functionalities. Along with that, there's a blog uh, that has been published about the CLI tool, and I would really recommend you to go read that. And the CLI tool will basically be used in the program to test the Marlowe contracts. I'd also like to point out there's going to be a new blog coming up on the adoption approach with Marlowe and how we see the financial innovation landscape evolving. It all sounds really great. Thank you so much, uh, Omar. It was great chatting with you. And for anyone interested in joining the first cohort of the Marlow Pioneer program, we encourage you to check the registration link in the description of uh, the video. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks so much for having me, Dominica. Now, if you're interested in becoming a Marlow Pioneer, you'll find the links below. Hi everyone, my name is Daniel Ribar and I'm one of the members of the community team here at I.O. for Project Catalyst and we're super excited today to have this opportunity to share with you some of the great recent happenings with Project Catalyst and update you on the overall progress. And, you know, Project Catalyst has found really tremendous success in empowering people to explore their ideas and connecting them to a source of funding so they can actually realize them. But further than that, it also really facilitates projects that are designed to support these really early start entrepreneurs. So without further ado, I'll pass you over to Tim Richmond, who is our marketing and communications lead and has an update for us on the recent successes of Project Catalyst-based incubators and mentorship programs. Tim? Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Richmond. I'm the marketing communications lead for Project Catalyst, and I'm really happy to report that the accelerators and mentorship programs that are taking part on Project Catalyst are, are growing in number. Three major success stories that we've had recently, um, the first of which is the Boost Camp mentorship program, which is essentially a program of workshops designed to help early start entrepreneurs to formalize their business plans. Uh, five cohorts have already taken place, uh, most of which have uh, been consisting of Atala and Plutus pioneers and uh, teams funded by Project Catalyst. I'm also happy to report the launch of the ERO program in collaboration with ISADIS, uh, a Pan-African incubator and accelerator. ERO aims to make real-world changes in Africa by facilitating relationships between projects working on Cardano and the wider African world. There have been nine projects which have started with Erobe already, and so we'll be following their progress as time continues. In more great news on this subject, we're really excited to announce a fantastic collaboration between Project Catalyst, Seedstars, and the Financial Times to launch the FT Cardano Blockchain Challenge. Wow, well, this sounds like a great collaboration. We all know the Financial Times needs no introduction, but could you let the community know who the Seedstars are? The Seedstars are a Swiss-based venture builder whose mission is to impact people's lives in emerging markets by leveraging technology and entrepreneurship. Seedstars are looking for ventures who are building on Cardano or interested in leveraging the Cardano platform and community. The FT Cardano blockchain challenge will select startups for a three-day bootcamp and shortlisted entrepreneurs will then go on to a, a further accelerator program. Applications for this are open until the 31st of May. So if you are interested in taking part or you want to, to learn more, then Google Seedstars FT Cardano blockchain challenge. And with that, back to you, Danny. Uh, I believe you have an update for us on the DREPs. Yes, thanks, Tim. So we're approaching the future of governance to Project Catalyst, and we're doing it by introducing the concept of delegating your voting power to a delegate representative, or DREPs for short. And these DREPs will really operate within a liquid democratic framework. We've recently published a blog post, so I invite you to go and check it out. But essentially, ADA holders can select one or multiple DREPs to harness their 
voting power on fund-to-fund basis. And given the tremendous growth in the number of proposals being submitted, DRAPs will be very instrumental and important part of the machinery in ensuring that all of the proposals get the attention they really deserve. Just in Fund 8, we are now with more than 1,000 proposals, so this will be very much welcome. And it will really enhance the quality of decision-making within each fund. And the idea is that these DREPs, the cohort of these DREPs, will coordinate and form policies together, source and review data, consult with experts, and ultimately really vote on the array of projects and topics that really the community has brought forward. And we're going to make sure to continue sharing more details on DREPs as the concept crystallizes over coming weeks and months. And obviously, as more and more proposals are submitted, there needs to be a way to be able to manage them. So it's great to hear that that's in the works. Can you let the community know where we're at in terms of Project Catalyst overall? Everything that is happening in the Catalyst community and that, that transpires into the wider Cardano community is really a great testament to the passion and commitment that everybody collectively shows. And that what really personally excites me. I mean, we've seen the project Catalyst grown from an initial fund size of about quarter million dollars some 18 months ago to 16 million round currently active in fund eight. And that's just phenomenal. You know, receiving over three and a half thousand proposals or ideas and collectively achieving really a staggering one million votes in, in those previous rounds. So it, it's really a, a true testament to people's eagerness to actually participate and shape the future of the governance uh, in the Project Catalyst realm. And these projects, they really cover a wide range of community set challenges that are all really focused on utilizing the Cardano blockchain that we all come to love to make positive real world changes. And who's at the heart of it? Well, you, me, everyone, the community. You know, there's currently 52,000 members on IdeaScale Innovation Platform that is at the center of Project Catalyst and that is tapping into 91 countries across the world, which is just a staggering number to think about the potential of collaboration of all these people coming together and it all continues to grow. So we're really excited and extremely proud of what the community has created. And we really want to thank each and every member for all the contributions they have made because surely Catalyst is not an easy thing. It is still an experiment. Things do often break and we appreciate the patience and the willingness to work with us collectively as we navigate the Project Catalyst fund to fund. Thank you, Danny, for that update. That's really great to hear. And we're always interested in getting new people involved. Can you let us know the best way that uh, the community can grow and, and people can get involved in that? Yes, absolutely. You know, as the fund we grow, we always have room for more people to join and it just brings the, the diversity and uh, knowledge base to much wider spectrum of people who are participating one of the really the easiest ways is to dial into our Wednesday calls. Uh, we call them town halls and they are each Wednesday at 5 p.m. UTC. And if you can't make this time slot, that's okay. All these calls are being recorded and, and streamed to YouTube directly so you can always review them later. But also there are a number of community calls around the globe in different time zones and different places such as Eastern Town Hall, Latin American, African. So there's plenty of opportunities for you to get involved even though if this main time so it doesn't work for you, but you will always find us there at 5 p.m. UTC on Wednesdays. I would just like to remind the community that we are in the middle of the fund date vote. So um, don't forget to exercise your voice and vote using the voting app. That's it for the update today. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Now, in April's mid-month update, we spoke in detail about the Vassal hard fork on track for the end of June and what those enhancements would mean for Cardano. Let's go over to John, Kevin and Nigel for a catch up. Gentlemen, welcome. Now, John, you gave us a pretty meaty update in the mid-month, but perhaps you can give us a little bit of a recap of some of the things you shared. Sure. Absolutely, Tim. Well, I had this feeling that there wasn't a place where a person could go to get a condensed, concise view on Plutus as it stands right now. What I wanted to do was shoot a quick video, which I did with the help of your team, to put together in a kind of visual way, uh, with simple explanations, a real zero to hero for Plutus. And what I tried to do was sit down, explain the context, explain what Plutus lets you do, like what are the things it enables.
I also showed exactly how you go from writing code to getting something that's working on chain. And I talked about how you interact with that once it's on chain. And I guess maybe different to some of the other materials we have online, I started looking as well, not just at the present, but into the future as to what we're delivering for the six month hard fork coming up. So uh, the video is available and I think it's a nice introduction, um, both at an intermediate and a beginner level uh, to exactly what Plutus is. And like I said, I really pitched it as a zero to hero. So you can go in, you may know some of the stuff, but I think there's something there that, that folks can get something out of. So we've got that as a standalone video now as well. So people should go and have a look at that to find the full story. Kevin, we also talked about the network. How's it looking? It's looking great. The network is coping extremely well with, with everything we're throwing at it. All of the core stats are looking good. And a real call out to all the stake pool operators, tremendous uh, group of stake pool operators who are keeping things uh, up and running for us. Well done, guys. So at the moment, uh, we've got about 73% of the pools on 134.1. Most of the rest are on 133.0. And looking ahead, we'll soon be rolling out 135 within the next few weeks. Keep an eye open for that. That's going to have a number of improvements included. It's also going to start to pave the way towards the Vasil hard fork. So all looking good on, on that. One thing we've done earlier this week, as you've probably noticed, is we've just pushed uh, the latest parameter bump. John is going to be extremely pleased. We've gone up by another 10%, John, uh, from 80 kilobytes to 88 uh, kilobytes. So great, great stuff there. More capacity going into the network, more ability to run Plutus scripts, more ability to run and process more transactions. And looking ahead, we'll also be looking into adjusting some of the economic parameters. We've been listening to the community, taking some input from them, taking some feedback from them. So stay tuned. We'll make an announcement on those soon. And Nigel, we also shared the target date for the Vasil hard fork of the 29th of June. What's uh, what's happening now behind the scenes to get us ready for that? Lots of work, Tim, as usual. So for the target date of 29th of June, we're making a lot of great progress. And as we've said before, Tim, we are co-complete, but we're going through a phase now of integration across all the different code bases we've got and the products that we have. As we go through this integration phase, we'll then move into our testing phase. So it is all hands to the pump and there's a lot of work that's going on. And this goes across the full gamut of our community as well. So the exchanges are all lined up to do the testing we've got. And this time we've had the ability to enlist a couple of partner projects to help us do end to end testing with their dApps. And that's just incredibly useful because the first thing is it helps us to do regression testing to make sure they can still do everything that they could do before we change the code base. And it also enables them to look at some of the future changes and think about how they can utilize those changes to improve their dApps going forwards. And then from there to be able to build the test cases we need to be able to, to deliver against that functionality. So all guns blazing effectively, Tim, for uh, the end of June. And of course, the end of June, the Vasil hard fork, it's a first step in a process, isn't it, John? There is a period of bedding in that will need to happen straight after that hard fork from both a, a developer perspective, but also from a network perspective. Absolutely. So it's going to take exactly one epoch for the changes that we put in in the hard fork to activate. This is for various technical reasons with dependencies in terms of rolling over a single epoch. So we're making the change on the eve of the epoch we roll over and we can't make the enablement of those changes until the next epoch. But it's it's a, it's a single week and uh, it's it's we, we knew this was going to be the case from the beginning. But what folks need to be doing is actually learning how to take advantage of these things. So let me just quickly kind of run through them. Reference scripts, this idea that your script lives on chain rather than being submitted in the transaction. You're going to have to change the architecture of your app if you want to take advantage of this. So no longer including the script in the transaction and instead including a reference so you can point to it on chain. Let's look at inline datums. Again, this is something where we're moving things onto the chain. So now your, your datum, which is like your hard disk for your app, and I don't mean to overly simplify it, but it's arbitrary data that lives on chain. Uh, it can be high scores or other data that's important to your app. That can live now on chain on its own rather than being included in the transaction. Prior to this, it was a fingerprint that lived on chain. So again, you have to make sure that you start forming transactions where you no longer include the datum, which is again, smaller transactions. This is great, but it's not enabled by default. Developers have to embrace these new features. And then finally, reference inputs. Again, maybe quite subtle, this one, the idea that multiple apps and indeed multiple entities can read a UTXO value without having to destroy it and recreate it. 
again, folks are gonna to need to change potentially aspects of their architecture in order to take advantage of this. These are things that are, I think, relatively straightforward to understand, but will require app developers to actively take advantage of them. So between getting these new features on chain and having them actually switched on, developers reach out, work with us, go to the Stack Exchange network, look at our documentation and learn exactly how to take advantage of these things so that they're ready. And of course, we're gonna have our test net available. So if developers wanna play with this stuff early, please do get involved. Thank you, John. Staying with you just for now, we've obviously talked about the Plutus enhancements. We've talked about diffusion pipelining. One of the other topics that we've covered in the past is around input endorsers. What is the latest on that? One of the most exciting parts about my job is that I get to work on the right now, all the cool stuff coming up in June, but I also get a glimpse into the future, of course, because I have to work with the rest of the smart people at IO to architect it. So about two weeks ago, I spent a week with the research team. And these are the big brains. These folks, they, they think up and design uh, the high level approach to new technologies. I've spoken before about input endorsers. Input endorsers is the name of a technology. It's going to be branded externally. I suspect that's Ouroboros Laos. That's where, how we're, we're kind of gonna envisage it. Um, we currently have Ouroboros Preos and Ouroboros Laos will be the next generation uh, consensus mechanism. So input endorsers is the internal name for this. And what is it? Well, research, after a long time kind of thinking about things, have come up with a solution. And the key insight here is, if we want to scale Cardano over the next decade, if we want to make things super fast, we need to make a serious change. So what we're going to do is, at the moment, we have a single type of block on the Cardano network. It's a block that is responsible for consensus, and it also holds inside it transactions. Well, the key realization that that research had was, if we decompose this or we split the block into two, so no longer having a single block in the network, but we now have two blocks, and we use one block to hold transactions and another block to achieve consensus, then we have these two block types that work together. And what's great here is, at the moment, our single block is every 20 seconds. So every 20 seconds or so, we have a block that contains transactions and helps with consensus. We're moving to a new system with Ouroboros Eleos or input endorsers, where we'll still have this consensus block every 20 seconds. But instead of containing transactions, it will no longer do that. It will instead have a reference to a block that holds transactions. But these blocks are much, much faster. So we're gonna be constantly streaming transactions nonstop, okay? There's gonna be a flurry of these blocks that contain just transactions. And the blocks that are responsible for consensus will simply reference them using what's called reference semantics or a pointer. So with this new system, effectively, we can have consensus every 20 seconds as we currently do, but rather than waiting every 20 seconds to send transactions, we're gonna send them all the time. And this ultimately yields a super fast layer one. Now we don't need this right now. Our current technologies are keeping up with demand, no problem, but we need to stay ahead of the game. And how do we do that? We think for the future and we start implementing this stuff before it's required. So this stuff is new, research are finalizing over the coming a few weeks, and then engineering and architecture will be taking over and towards Q3, we'll be formalizing our engineering strategy. So watch this space. Uh, there's very exciting things coming. John, thank you very much. Kevin, Nigel, we'll see you again soon. Every month we profile a selection of projects that are building on Cardano. For today's episode, we thought we'd do things a little differently. So we asked Matt to catch up with Sunday Swap and Orbis to talk about Cardano's extended UTXO model and how it's empowering DeFi projects across the ecosystem. This week, I got the chance to speak with a couple of projects about building DeFi applications with the UTXO model. The challenges, the benefits, and what you can expect as a builder on Cardano. We spoke with Ryan of Orbis, and Pi of Sunday Swap. Welcome, Pi. Good to have you on the show. So, Sunday was one of the first teams to launch a DEX on Cardano a few months ago. Can you give us an update on what's been happening at Sunday since launch? We were one of the first DEXs, certainly the first AMM based DEX to launch on Cardano. Um, we just passed our one year kind of anniversary as a team, and um, we launched our protocol in January. Um, we served kind of a critical role of proving that DeFi was possible on Cardano to kind of some of the skeptics out there. Um, and since then, we've been kind of heads down, focusing on um, keeping the lights running and building out um, kind of some V2 and some very exciting kind of future developments for the Sunday protocol. So what is the EUTXO model? 
And can you explain a DeFi application as an instantiation of that model on the Cardano blockchain? So EUTXO is an accounting model, uh, i.e. how you keep track of balances and state in comparison to something like an account model used over on Ethereum. Um, EUTXO stands for Extended Unspent Transaction Output, um, which means that all of the state is stored as outputs of a previous transaction. So on Ethereum, every smart contract is given kind of this big blank slate of memory to store values in, um, kind of like a clay tablet that you can, you know, chisel values into. Whereas on an EUTXO model, all of that state is kind of stored um, in much smaller pellets alongside kind of the coins that are moving around in the system. Um, so an example of how this might be instantiated is on uh, an EUTXO model, um, the liquidity might be stored in one output each user's order of, you know, whether they want to swap uh, ADA for LQ and how much they want to swap for and their limit price is stored in a separate output. And then you can build a transaction that executes that order by including those two things in the transaction without having to include um, the whole big clay tablet of everybody's orders. So a lot of the industry wisdom and experience on DEX building has been on account-based chains in the history of cryptocurrency. Uh, and yet you guys are pioneers in the space of DeFi on UTXO. Can you tell us what are some of the trade-offs, the costs and benefits that you've experienced as uh, building out Sunday and also what you expect as development continues? Certainly the biggest challenge so far has been this mindset shift from a global state, that big clay tablet like on Ethereum, to a uh, local state. Right, A DEX is something that fundamentally has a lot of global state to it, the order of people's orders and the price of an asset. Um, so that mindset shift to compartmentalizing that state and brokering access to global state has been really difficult. Um, on the flip side, because that state is already broken up, sharding that state into different chains and looking at layer twos is a far easier problem. Um, so whereas on Ethereum, uh, you have no way to know what parts of that clay tablet the smart contract is going to access. Because the state is already compartmentalized in Cardano um, or in the EUTXO model, uh, that becomes far easier. So while I'm not ready to announce anything in particular, that should give you kind of a flavor of some of the things that we've been thinking about behind the scenes for uh, Sunday Swap V2. Thank you, Pai, for your insight about building DeFi projects on UTXO. I think the community really values your perspective. So Ryan, over to you. You were recently on the show talking about a DeFi project, Ardana, um, but you're also the founder of a scaling solution. I'm guessing that relationship isn't a mistake. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Orbis and how it was conceived? Yeah, so Orbis is a layer two zero knowledge proof scaling solution for Cardano utilizing ZK rollups and enabling Cardano to scale beyond what the layer one is capable of. So that was conceived through really looking at the whole landscape of blockchain and the various scaling directions that were explored in different ecosystems and realizing that Cardano was best primed for ZK rollups to be leveraged uh, to help scale the network to a level in which can support a global decentralized financial ecosystem. So how does ZK rollups work? So starting with zero knowledge proofs, this is a area of cryptography that's actually been around since the 1980s. And it is a way to effectively be able to prove something to someone without revealing that information itself. And rollups leverages that technology. Now, the rollup aspect is bundling lots of transactions off-chain into a single proof, a zero-knowledge proof, and that zero-knowledge proof is submitted onto Cardano main chain, and it proves that all the transactions happening off-chain have happened in a non-malicious way, following the rules of the Cardano ledger. So it's almost like you're able to you know, effectively compress, you know, a, a lot of computational data and transactions and activity off chain into this single proof, uh, which represents all of that on chain. So most work in ZK rollups in the past has been on account based chains. 
Um, but I'm guessing this isn't just for the likes of Ethereum. Can you tell us a little bit about what an EUTXO native ZK rollup solution looks like? Most of the innovation surrounding zero knowledge proofs has been happening in other ecosystems such as Ethereum, given that DeFi you know, was spurred there uh, and came to life much earlier, you know, as opposed to it just really getting started on Cardano. So Orbis is one of, if not the first, layer two scaling solutions leveraging this. And the UTXO model lends itself more to building roll-up scaling solutions compared to the account-based model. And that's to do with the way that it handles state, um, it handles state in a local way, as opposed to a global way, um, which makes it you know, a lot easier to parallelize transactions and then to bundle those parallel transactions um, or that parallel system you know, into a single proof to, to be submitted on chain. So when people talk about UTXO, they often mention parallelization, uh, local state versus global state. Can you explain what those terms actually mean uh, and what implications they have for uh, an ecosystem built on the EUTXO model? So state is effectively how blockchains work. They have their state, and then they have state transitions going from one state to another based on inputs and outputs and the transactions you know, or blocks that transition you to the next state. The EUTXO model handles state in a local way where as opposed to it's um, referencing the entire system, it's right down to UTXOs. So the private keys that you hold, as opposed to giving you control over uh, global accounts, uh, it gives you control over specific UTXOs, each of which can be processed in a parallel way you know, when executing blocks on Cardano. So this makes Cardano highly parallelizable and also more amenable to building roll-up solutions as the architecture between roll-ups and the base layer UTXO is uh, quite uniform. This is important for blockchains and more specifically for Orbis and ZK roll-ups, given that you're able to handle a lot of work or more specifically transactions at the same time. So parallelism, at least you know, with regards to Orbis, is really leveraging the UTXO model and the benefits it provides there, and also extending that to enable us to scale in terms of throughput and how much computation can be handled and all specific points of computation for the transactions can be handled at the same time. So it can't all be sunshine and roses. Can you tell us a few of the hurdles that lie on the path to an indefinitely scalable Cardano ecosystem? Cardano is doing well already. The approach that it's taken, um, this methodical approach, uh, has uh, provided benefits, many of which we'll see in the upcoming hard fork you know, in June as well. So this roadmap for 2022 going into 2023 with regards to input endorsers, all the various other things that are happening already scales the base layer to the extent that it can be scaled. The next challenges are really leveraging the extended scaling solutions, whether that's Orbis utilizing ZK rollups or Hydra utilizing its technology there, which is more closely to a state channels approach. These are all different tools and the challenges come with you know, different applications, different teams experimenting with those different tools and combining them and seeing which ones fit their specific needs. And that's a continuous learning process, working with the different scaling solutions coming to Cardano. Thanks, Ryan, for those insights. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. We hope you enjoyed the segment. Come back to us next time for more Building on Cardano. The Jed stablecoin is one of the most anticipated projects currently building on Cardano. Koti is building it, and Eric spoke to CEO Shahaf Bargeffen to find out the latest status. Today, we are joined by Shahaf Bargeffen, the CEO of Koti. He is here to talk to us about the progress that is being made currently with the Jed stablecoin. Welcome to the show. And uh, what can we expect from Jed? Where are you guys? Hey, thank you for having me here again. It's always a pleasure. Everybody's wondering when Jed. So I'm going to tell everybody uh, during this update. And, and again, you know, for those who've missed or lived under a rock recently, uh, Jed is probably the most sophisticated algorithmic stablecoin out there created to date. 
We'll also be sharing a video, a whiteboard video explaining exactly how it operates. Or people can just go to jed.xyz and read the, the full white paper. And look, as, as Cardano's DeFi and overall ecosystem grows, so will Jed. So everybody's obviously very excited for Jed to be released. Uh, what are the next steps? We've already signed uh, 25 partnerships to date, even before Jed is launched. So when Jed launches, it's like a baby elephant, right? It's already big. It's already standing on its own, on its own, uh, eats a lot, moves fast. So you can expect a lot in terms of integrations, where we at and, and what to expect next. So in terms of timeline, the private testnet is already live. Uh, we've been fixing the scalability issues. It's now much more scalable. And probably in the coming days, we'll see a public testnet that you can uh, look into and start diving into this. So what can people expect after the public testnet? After the public testnet, uh, what we are doing is a rigorous audit. In fact, we're not just doing one security audit, we're doing two. It costs a lot, it takes time, but this is the right way and probably the only way to go when it comes to uh, financial tokens such as JED. So we'll do these two, depending on the results, if everything goes well, public mainnet, JED's official release integration to you know all the DEXs around 25 partnerships, as I've mentioned, June, if nothing comes up, this is uh, when we're out. You know, in fact, June and July is, is, is pretty important for Cody as it is, because this is also the time when on, on Cody's trust chain, native assets can be minted. All right, so June and July are going to be big months. How can people get involved? How can they keep up with you guys? Yes, you can help us actually and get involved by uh, testing the public testnet of JED. So we've released the code and we invite you to participate in the testing phase by visiting JED.xyz, connecting with your NAMI wallet through the testnet network, obviously. Uh, even beforehand, you should uh, go and get some test ADA at your local ADA faucet, right? And then you can start minting and burning uh, Jed and Shen. Just as a reminder, Jed is the stable coin. Shen is the reserve coin, which you need uh, when dealing with algorithmic stable coins. And again, you know, there is always room to improve. And it's super important that you get involved, look at it, so you can get custom to it and trust it. Uh, because trust is critical when it comes to stablecoin. And, you know, Jed is the most sophisticated design uh, out there. It's already been battle tested, you know, as Sigma USD and on other network. Uh, but get acquainted with it because, you know, if you're part of the Cardano's uh, ecosystem and community, you're going to have Jed. So get acquainted with it. I, I invite you uh, to do so through jed.xyz. We heard that you guys have also been working alongside Catalyst. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's true. Cody uh, has actually opened a fund on top of the Catalyst infrastructure. We were the first to open this fund. And the idea uh, was, you know, again, thinking about Cody, Cardano, uh, and what can we build together. And as some of you may know, we've created AdaPay. AdaPay is a system that allows merchants to accept Ada as a form of payment. Cody has developed that a while back. And what we asked projects is, can you build us plugins that will allow us to connect AdaPay to all you know the, the hundreds of thousands of merchants out there that are using systems like you know WordPress, Joomla, uh, Shopify, and so on and so forth. We've funded five teams. One has already finished development uh, and they've created a plugin that will allow AdaPay to be connected to WordPress and Joomla. Uh, we've uh, uh, posted a demo on our blog and we'll post an interview with the team sometime soon. And what it means is that, you know, AdaPay will be present at a lot more merchants in the, uh, sometime soon. And, you know, this is adoption as adoption gets. So very happy about this. Shahab Bargev, and thank you so much for joining us once again on Cardano 360. Thank you for having me here today. Well, that's a wrap for April. Be sure to check out the links below and uh, head over to the IOHK blog for the very latest on the CLI interface for Marlowe and boosting throughput on Cardano and much more. 
But before you go, a quick update about the future of Cardano 360. Now, after doing some research amongst you, the audience, and getting your feedback, we've decided to give Cardano 360 a little bit of a spring refresh. Now, don't worry, we're not going anywhere, but starting next month, we're going to be releasing standalone videos more regularly alongside our mid-month technical updates, with the show becoming more of a highlights reel, an omnibus, if you like, with some bonus content thrown in from time to time for good measure. So there's even more reason to make sure you do the like, subscribe and bell thing so you won't miss a single video. Thanks for watching and we'll see you very soon.